It is another edition of Making Money with the financial coach, Ron Hebert, retired portfolio manager. I'm Gord Whitehead, a retired broadcaster. We often tell you if you have a question for us, you can reach us at letsmakemoney.ca. That's our website or through our friends at cfcw.com. And we're going to address a listener's question that leads into the topic of this week's show. Uh, hi, it says, no secret that parents are helping kids with buying a house these days. How do you protect your down payment in divorce? Could you also discuss ways to get a mortgage if one person puts a much bigger down payment? Would tenants in common be a good idea? What about a deed? Could you try to include scenarios where both spouses are paying the mortgage, but only one spouse put in a huge down payment? I just listened to your podcast on wayward kids and learned that annuities are protected. That was a great episode. I'm a boomer in a neighborhood of young families. And I've got them all listening to your show. Well, we appreciate that. That's what it's all about. We're trying to inform people about investing. So where do you want to start on this one, my friend? Well, I'd just like to, first of all, say that neither you, at least not I, have uh, a degree in family law. So we're going to give you the most common ways to protect your assets in if you you help your kids out and they go through tough times and they split up and so these are the most common ways that i've seen that or mechanisms or tools that people that lend money or give money to their kids use to protect themselves and because these areas are so complicated you want to have a lawyer not only for your side but you want to have a lawyer for the spouse's side because if there is any indication that, you know, you just present them something and they sign it and they haven't understood it, well, this can turn the whole thing over in court. And there's, uh, we're going to be talking about some of the positives and some of the negatives about some of these strategies. But it's important to realize that you need a good lawyer specializing in family law. You can write some of these things down. Then you can go to them and run them by them and see if they're applicable to your particular uh, situation because there's upside and there's downside to this. The rules change regularly, and there's, it's very, very nuanced, and it's tricky. So this is not something you want to try and do on your own because I'll give you some negative examples as we go through these things. But uh, this can be an area where you can really set yourself up uh, to, to, to hurt yourself if you're not careful, or you can even hurt the relationship. I think, I think Ron, it, it's safe to say, I know you dealt with this in your, in your profession and, you know, just from a personal standpoint, I've, I've had friends that have gone through really messy divorces and it's uh Boy, it's ugly. Like, it's just not a lot of fun. And you see the wear and tear on them and the angst that they go through. If you can avoid some of that, why not try, right? Yeah. And so uh, one of the most common ways is to get a prenuptial agreement, which is an agreement before you get married. You can also get what's called a post-nup agreement, which is an agreement on future assets you're going to buy after you get married. Or you can have a cohabitation agreement. And a cohabitation agreement is if you're not married, you're just living together. That's also an agreement. And this will ensure that the down payment, for example, will remain with the intended person after a separation or divorce. And uh, you want to get this signed before the purchase is made. Now, the problem with this is that it's like taking a bucket of cold water and pouring it on romance. 
And often you'll find that uh, kids that are madly in love with one another, they say that... Uh, That'll never is, happen to us. Yeah. It'll never happen to us. And it's like uh, taking a cold shower. It's going to kill our romance before it's even starts. So what you want to do, it's usually less contentious if the parents that are putting up the money, say on the advice of our lawyer, uh, you should be getting a prenup, postnup, cohab agreement, whatever you get. Uh, rather than the child bringing that up to the other spouse. Because if the parents are insistent, well, if the spouse doesn't like you as the parent quite so much, that's okay. They need to like, the, they need to like your kid. So if you want to make sure that this is the least contentious it could be, have the parents make the recommendation. And you can make it third party by saying it's on the advice of the lawyer. Okay, what about what about a trust? Is is a trust something you could look at here? A trust is simply another option, and what you do is you put your property, the title, in the trust, and since assets are held in a trust, they don't belong to the spouse. Now, this can work, but there are some problems with it, Gord, because the problem is the difficulty of finding a mortgage lender willing to entertain this kind of structure. They do exist, but if you set up a trust, it can be a little harder getting a mortgage. Okay, all right. Um, what about mom and dad putting their name on the title? Well, there again, this is actually quite common, but this can work against you. Let me give you an example. Is that uh, I have a friend in Vancouver who lent their kids money, and they put their name on the, the, the kid's title. Now, the kids had a business which went into bankruptcy. Uh-huh. And so the, the banks were holding, uh, the, so the kid's name and the adult's name were on the title. And so the companies that were owed money by the kid's business, they're, they're going after um, the real estate. The real estate. And of course, there again, I mean, if you're going to make this work, I do not suggest you do this DYI, do it yourself. If you're putting your name on the title, you want to make sure you, you go see a, a lawyer and make sure you understand the pitfalls and what you need to do to protect yourself. Okay, so instead of an outright gift of saying, okay, I'll cut you a check for $50,000 to help you put a down payment on your house or whatever the number is, what about if you make it a loan, Ron? Is that, is that feasible? Well, if the marriage breaks down, the lender can just simply ask to be repaid. So you turn it into a, uh, a loan, and if the marriage works out, you make it forgivable. That's, uh, that's generally what you do. But there's a problem with this because um, typically if you're going for mortgage financing, you have to have a down payment. And if you tell the mortgage lender that you've got this large loan from your parents. It's like a lien right out of the gate, right? (laughs) Yeah, there's the lien on the property right out of the gate. And sometimes, uh, frankly, a lot of lenders just say, no, 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 you can't can't do this. We won't uh, lend you money under this this particular kind of structure because you're you're going beyond government rules of, of, of how much debt you can have per income. So, you know, this is possible. And also, if it's a loan, the government expects you to make a return on your investment. So there's a prescribed interest rate on loans that you 
that's charged. And so uh, if you give an interest-free loan, well, you can get offside with a CRA too. So like I say, a lot of these, if you read articles on this, a lot of this stuff sounds really good. And you just say, well, I'll just do this myself. Well, you've really got to do your homework and you want to sit down with somebody who understands the, the nuances of this because this is very tricky ground uh, if you're trying to make sure that uh, the money that you give your kids, you get it back if things don't work out and it's protected from the other spouse. So, you know, really do your homework. You also have a note here about something called tenants in common. Uh, that, that, that sounds like it's right out of the legal handbook. <laughs> What's going on? Yeah, there? actually, there's, there's, there's two terms, joint tenancy, which is what most of us have. So, for example, my house is in joint tenancy. If I pass away, uh, goes to your wife. Yeah, the house immediately goes to my wife and uh, doesn't go through the estate, and I don't have to pay taxes on it. It's not subject to probate fees. So, frankly, that's how most uh, houses are 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 uh, are registered. But if two or more people own a property, they can also have it as tenancy in common. And it does not have to be divided equally. Tenants in common can own different proportions of the same property, for example, one quarter and three quarter, and they can sell or mortgage their portion as they please. So if one tenant dies, the, the prop, their portion doesn't go to the surviving spouse, or if they have a breakup, that portion is theirs. And if they pass on, that portion goes to the, uh, to the deceased estate, you know, and it's subject to probate fees, and it's distributed to the beneficiaries, not the spouse. And so this works really well, especially if you've got blended families where you've got, you know, maybe uh, people are getting married and they've got uh, two adults already have, they've either been divorced or, or their, their uh, significant other has passed away. And so they got a blended family with, uh, you know, lots of, lots of kids and grandkids on both sides uh, before they get into their new arrangement. So tenancy in common can certainly work for that. But here again, tenancy in common is one of those things where it can be tricky and it can be hard to get a mortgage on a property when you've got uh, two people with unequal interests in it. So uh, there are people that do this type of thing, but here again, uh, you need to sit down with your lawyer, take a look at these six options or five options and really decide which is the one that uh, works for you and make sure you spend the time for the family lawyer to explain a lot of the nuances and the pros and cons because this is a difficult area and different provinces have different rules. So, you know, if you have uh, kids and you live in Alberta and they live in Saskatchewan or Ontario and you're trying to help them, uh, be aware that the family law is different in different places and you've got to be bone up on what the rules are if you're going to another uh, jurisdiction. That's why you that, that's why you want a lawyer looking into this and I guess both sides should have a lawyer, shouldn't they, Ron? Yeah, cuz it's very easy to say uh, and that's one of the, the standard defenses is that uh, the party that's being asked to sign it didn't understand the agreement before they signed it. So you want to have each party have a lawyer go through things thoroughly so that everybody is sure they understand exactly what's going on. And uh, like I say, this is a complex area, and it's uh, I've seen a lot of do-it-yourselfers over the years get themselves really burned 
you know, for example, putting your name on the, on the house and then having a business go bankrupt that kids have, and then it comes back and you're fighting in court. So, you know, make sure you, you really spend the time looking at the details before you sign off on something of this, because if you do it wrong, it's endless grief. There you go, some sage advice from the financial coach. Remember, and that came from a listener's question. So as we say, if you have a question, if there's something that we've covered on one of the episodes of Making Money that's a, it's a little bit out there in the haze and you're kind of foggy on it, drop us a note and we'll be glad to clarify. Maybe we can do it in a return email or perhaps it opens up a broader topic and we do a show on it. Letsmakemoney.ca is our website. You can also reach us through cfcw.com. We're back again next week with another edition of Making Money. Thanks for your time today, Mr. Financial Coach. Good talking to you. Absolutely the same. All right, we'll join you next week. Thanks for listening. The information presented is derived from sources believed to be reliable. This material is presented for information purposes only and does not constitute investment advice. Before acting on any investment information, a person should seek advice from an investment professional. The presenters may or may not hold positions in the securities discussed on this show and will not be responsible for any losses sustained from acting on this information.